over them as they, they navigate these, these ways. Now, I want to talk this morning about returning to Bethel. To return to Bethel. We'll look at Jacob. Um, and, and two instances of his time at the place that he called Bethel, which is interpreted as the house of God or the dwelling place of God. And uh, two times when he was there and kind of what drove him there, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of pull that apart a little bit. But I wanted to relate to us today that there are circumstances in our lives, in our situations, that drive us to the altar. And oftentimes, in hard times, God's power is made evident in the lives of his people. And, and I, I, I feel that as a people, as a church, and and I'm not talking about, again, just, just Atlantic Beach, Son of God. I think as a church of believers, a global church of believers, that we're being driven to an altar. At least I hope we are. Because that's where we need to go. Uh, I was telling someone this morning, you know, you just can't, you can't trust what you hear anywhere. You, you read, uh, honestly, it's been so, so... Uh, plaguing in my, my, my heart and spirit because I, I just want to find information. I mean, just want to find real, true information. <laughs> and it's so difficult to come by real, factual, because everybody wants to skew everything for some crazy reason, and what we want is truth. And so I, I, I realize, you know, that you, you can't trust this, you can't trust that, but we can still trust the Lord. And how many knows that we as the church, we as the body of believers, have a place to go back to? We have an altar to attend. We have a place that we can go and seek the face of God and that God can give us wisdom. God can give us discernment. God can give us direction. And, 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 and how many knows this? I, and I need to emphasize this. I really want not go in here. But everybody's direction isn't the same. So get over, it's, it's not a matter of, of criticizing anybody for their choices. It's a matter of everybody seeking the face of God, listening to the heartbeat of God, and letting God give guidance. <laughs> because sometimes God uses natural things to bring blessing. I mean, I wear these glasses. God can heal my eyes. Well, I don't need glasses. But for now, he's chosen to just allow me to have glasses. And that's okay. And, and, and there may be some that will be critical that if you had greater faith, uh, you, you wouldn't need the glasses. And maybe that's true. I don't know. I know some good men that wear glasses. Good women that wear glasses. But, 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 but what, I'm, what I'm telling you is, uh, in, in, this, in this space, I, I'm doing a natural thing to, to, to create a result of supernatural uh, proportions, amen? And so sometimes God wants to use natural things. Anyway, let's, let, I wasn't really going to go deep into that, but let's be careful not to fall into to camps of criticism, but prayer and praying one for another 
and seeking the face of God. Amen? Genesis chapter 35, and then we'll if, if, go ahead and put your finger back a couple chapters to Genesis chapter 28. We'll do it backwards. Um, I imagine you'd rather me start at Genesis 35 and go backwards than go forward because there's a lot of space going forward from Genesis 35. But uh, we'll back up to Genesis 28 because I just want to talk about two instances of Bethel. Genesis 35, 1 through 3. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Now, um, that's, that's when God was beckoning Jacob back to, to Bethel. Now, if you back up, and you don't have to back up here, but uh, if you were to look back in uh, chapter 34, you would see that the Perizzites and the Hittites were going to come after Jacob. And so God said, go where you fled from your brother... Go back there. In other words, I'm still your protector. I'm still your God. Now, it's interesting to me, and we're going we're, we're to we're unpack this a little slower, but it's interesting to me that the first time Jacob went to Bethel, he was fleeing from his brother. And God revealed himself in Genesis 28. In fact, I may not read the whole text. I may just summarize it. Uh, in Gen I'm going to take this off because I can't move. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 28, God reveals himself. And, and to the, for the first time in this way, God revealed himself to Jacob. In fact, Jacob said, surely God is here and I just didn't know it. How many of you ever felt that way? <laughs> uh, and listen, and I want the church to, to be the house of God. I want it to be the place, the presence of God, that when the world comes in fleeing from whatever they're fleeing from, they have an encounter with an almighty God and declare, surely God is in this place. I just didn't know about it. Amen? I want us to be out there heralding the good news that God is still in Bethel. God is still in the altar. God is still in the house. Amen? And so uh, here's the reality. Uh, in, and, and so in, in Genesis 28, uh, he was fleeing from uh, his brother Esau. You all remember the story. Uh, he had tricked his brother Esau and had tricked him into selling. There's a lot of controversy over that. Uh, selling his birthright to him. Esau had sold his birthright for a cup of soup, a bowl of soup. I hope it was good soup. It's probably the most expensive soup ever sold. Uh, he sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil. I'm just going to tell you, if you're going to bargain with the devil, you better get a good price because you're selling out cheap. Uh, I hope for Esau's sake at least it was a good bowl of soup. Amen? So uh, 
Uh, he, and, and now Esau, uh, now Jacob, he was the, he was the house guy. He, he wasn't the outdoorsman. He helped mom in the kitchen. Uh, that's why he was in there making food. Uh, and, and, and that's not criticism. You know, that's, that's where he was. Esau was this big, burly outdoorsman. And when Esau realized what Jacob did, he said, and I don't think he was being uh, facetious, I don't think he was exaggerating, I, he said, I am going to kill you, boy. And Jacob said, I think he means that. And so he flees and runs, and he ends up in Bethel. He makes covenant with God in Bethel. And he tells God because he realizes that God is real. And, and he tells God, God, if you will be with me, if you will bless me, if you will protect me, then God, I will serve you. Cut covenant. And God promised that he would bless him and he would multiply him and he would keep him. And he named the place Bethel. He had a dream in that first encounter. And, and, and he dreamed that the heavens opened up. And, and, and he, he, he called, it was the gateway of blessing. The, he saw angels ascending and descending upon this place. And, and he said, this is the place of God. It's a place of blessing. And he goes out. And God keeps his word. Even though Jacob wasn't always faithful to God. God blessed him. When he left that house, he had only a staff, the Bible says. When he came back here in Genesis 35 and God's called him back to Bethel, he's got herds, he's got families, he's got flocks. Next level blessing. Can I tell you that with next level blessing come next level devils. The first time, he was fleeing from his brother. The second time, he's fleeing from an army. Can I, can I tell you, every level. <laughs> Somebody once said, never make a man angry that can answer the question, you and what army? <laughs> so <laughs> um, so, so, so he, he was fleeing from, because... His boys had went and stirred up a hornet's nest. Now, I guess they had a right, but uh, they went and stirred up a hornet's nest. And, and his, his dad, Jacob, says, what have you done? You know, I was living in peace here. Now all of Canaan, all the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Parasites, they all want to kill me. They said, well, we couldn't let them, you know, attack our sister without doing something. So they, they, they had, anyway, we won't get into all that, but they had gone in and they had created a mess. And because, let me tell you, your kids will get you into messes sometime. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want them to attack my sister either, but come on. Now I've got to go to war. I'm not many people compared to that. 
So let's figure out a better way. But anyway, so they fled back to Bethel. Now, but here's, here's where I want us to see. During his time, from that first time, when he was at Bethel and cut covenant with God, to the second time that God calls him back to Bethel, God had blessed him. God had multiplied him. He had children. He had wives. He had flocks. He had herdsmen. He had servants. He had money. He had influence. He had already even made peace with Esau at this point. And God is calling him back to a place of, of first beginnings. Now, how, how many knows in, in, in Revelations chapter 2 uh, to the church at Ephesus? There you go. I knew your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and they're not and have found them to be liars. So far, it sounds good, doesn't it? God's speaking well to the church at Ephesus, but go on to verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Go church at Ephesus. But then go on to verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you that you have left your first love. I think if there was ever a word for the church, a warning amongst all the good works that we're doing, amongst all the, uh, the good things and, 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 how we can't, and how we detest sin and how we detest sinners, and, but somehow amidst all the blessings, We've left our first love. When Jacob was first at Bethel, he didn't know God in that way. He didn't know the God of his father in an intimate way. God revealed himself, and, 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 that's, when he, he began, and, and that's when he cut covenant with God. And God said, I, if, if, Jacob said, I'll give you my heart. And God said, well, I'll bless you, I'll keep you. And he did that. But in the midst of all that, as God multiplied, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm concerned that God has blessed the church. God has blessed his people. But in the midst of all the blessings, we've grown cold to the things that used to set us on fire. We, we don't have to go and... Sometimes we, we may not still be at the place that we have to go pray for every little thing that we have need of anymore, so we don't. I, like, like I had said earlier, you know, I, I just want truth, but since I can't get anywhere else, I guess we'll turn to God. But how many knows that that ought to be the first place we turn to? Not the, bad, not the last place we turn to. How many can remember the time that anything that came your way, the very first thing you would do is seek the face of God? You wouldn't consider doing anything major or minor. I I, I made a a statement when I was just a very young man teaching, I mean, like a teenager, teaching a senior adult Bible study. Can you imagine 
how silly I was. The, these people had lived more, knew more, uh, you know, forgot more than I'll ever know kind of thing. Uh, but they endured me, and I'm so grateful for them. And they allowed me to teach the uh, substitute. I wasn't the regular teacher, but I filled in occasionally. And I, and I made the comment that, you know, I, I'd never make a major decision without seeking God first. And one of the little sisters came to me after the class. She said, when you get to the place that you'll never make any decision without seeking God first. I said, you know, you're right. Uh, but, but the reality is, how many knows that we go through our days and we make decision after decision, then we make major decisions, and we don't seek the face of God until it blows up in our face. We take that job because it's 50 cents more an hour, but we don't seek the face of God. Is it the right thing for us to do? You know, we buy that car because it's shiny. <laughs> Consumer Report says it's a good car. But did you take time to pray about it and ask God, is it the right car for you to buy? You marry that gal because, you know, you know why. And you don't realize things change, and if it's not God's will, then it's not the right thing for you to do. Um, gals, you marry that guy. Maybe the same reasons. Things change. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is, where have we grown so far away from that intimacy with God that we don't take time to seek the face of God before we make major choices and major decisions. Well, Pastor, how do you know uh, that Jacob had grown so cold from God? Well, I'm going to show you in just a minute, but also if you just read his life story, you can kind of see some of the things. He, he, still, he still hadn't got it quite right. How many knows that sometimes you just don't ever get it quite right? Uh, but, he, but he's still working. But then, then he, go, he, he calls his family together and says, okay, Family, we're going to go back to Bethel. Bethel is the place where God revealed himself to me. Um, and, and we're going to go back there, and God's going to protect us because if we don't, all these people are going to come and destroy us. They're going to kill my family. They're going to kill y'all. They're going to kill me. So we're going to go back to Bethel. But there's a few things that i got to tell you. This is where you know that he grew cold. We got to throw out those idols. <laughs> we got to get rid of the foreign gods that we've got in our house. You see, he had gotten lax because it, it was culturally appropriate to worship all of these gods. He loved Jehovah, he knew God blessed him. But he didn't really want to make waves, so he'd marry this woman from this tribe, and she worshipped this god, and her family worshipped that god. And Well, you know, uh, that's all right. Bring that idol in and bring that. And, and so he said the first thing we got to do is get rid of all the foreign gods out of the house. Now, can I tell you that if we're going to return to Bethel, the first thing we have to do is evaluate our lives and realize what foreign gods are in our lives. You probably don't have little idols that you pray to sitting in your house. If you do, <laughs> I need to talk to you. 
it, 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 it's, that's not a good thing. You don't want to have that. But, 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 so while you may not have idols that you pray to, can I help expand your understanding of a foreign god? Anything that you put above God has become a foreign god. We, we sing that song, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes. Can I tell you, the soon as you say no, Lord, whatever is causing you to say no, Lord, has just taken the place of God. Well, you know, God, I, I, I want to uh, spend, you know, I know, God, that in my intimate time with you and my spending time alone in your presence, God, that's where you want me to be and that's what you want me to do. And God, I, I love to spend that time with you, but today... Lord, I, I'm going to skip that, and I'm, I'm, I've, I've got other things to do. I've got something I, I'm not going to say anything because I'm going to let you fill in the blank. I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to spend time with you today, Lord. Can I tell you that that thing that you replaced spending time with God today has become a foreign God in your life? Pastor, that's kind of harsh. God said he's, he, he's a jealous God. And he's not going to take the back seat to anything, to anything in your life. If we become so money hungry that money becomes a foreign God to us, and we prioritize that over God. And listen, God doesn't even mind blessing you. God multiplied and blessed Jacob. But if we prioritize that over God, we can't spend time with God because we're so focused on this, then that has become a God in your life. I just want to urge you, church, do some inventory. What is it that, that God has has, has asked you to do? What is it that God has asked you to do? For whatever reason, you can't do it. Uh, you, you chose not to do it. I, I, you know, I look around the room this morning. Now, there are people sick. There are people doing different things, various things. And not every time you miss church means that you backslide. Only if you miss like two Sundays in a row. <laughs> That's a little jest. But when gathering with God's people becomes not a priority anymore. Not something that you really desire to do. You, you go to church occasionally just to check it off your list of duties. Something's wrong. Something's wrong in your spirit. Because we need to come and sing of the Lord. We need to come and study His Word. We need to come and pray one for another. We need to encourage one another in the hallways. And, uh, you know, I, we underestimate churches more than what goes on in this sanctuary. I, I've told several people uh, when we built this building, I way underestimated how much ministry can go on in a foyer of a church. And in fellowship. And I would be intentional if we ever built a building to build a big foyer with lots of room for fellowship. Because that's real ministry. 
You know, this, this is real ministry. But, but, we, but what I'm telling you is when we can't find time to gather together and we don't want to find time to gather together, listen, I need to be in the house of the Lord. I need to rub elbows with you people. I need to be encouraged by you. And I hope I've got a little something that you need sometime. And we can pray for one another. And we can encourage one another so that we can be a blessing one to another. So, uh, verse 35, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Then he said, purify yourself. <laughs> How many knows that we allow a lot of things... If we can make up our mind and our heart, because by the way, it's not just a case of getting the do-betters, because the case of do-betters don't work. If they do, we'd all do better. We, we all decide sometime, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore, I'm going to do better. <laughs> but then we find ourselves a day later doing the same old thing. So it's more than just getting a There has to come a place of purification. There has to come a place where we allow God to purify us. Uh, how many knows God can take things away from you? God can take desires that are not godly away from you. He can take habits that are not godly away from you. He can take faults that are not godly. But how many knows we have to be a part of that process? We have to determine in our heart, God, if a thought comes into my mind and my heart that doesn't line up with you, I'm not going to dwell on that. And God will help you in that process. Because you can't do it on your own. But if you ask the Lord to help you, tie it to a verse. When you start thinking that thought or you start acting that action and then you begin to allow a verse to quote and to stir in your heart and your mind, the devil will flee. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. So Jacob tells his family, we're going to purify ourselves. We've allowed too much corruption We've allowed too much garbage. Things that we used to would walk away from, we embrace. Things that we used to never tolerate, we now tolerate. Not just tolerate, but we find ourselves entering into. And, and, and we find comfort. In, listen, there comes a time. Listen, I, the body of Christ has... I, I believe that God is going to purge... And I'm not talking about some holiness that can be measured by some man's yardstick. But I'm talking about a purity of heart that pleases God. Sometimes it might have been easier back when it was simple. I mean, they just told you. Women, if you're going to be holy, your dress has got to come to here. You, you don't cut your hair. Men, you... Don't wear a watch. Don't wear a ring. <laughs> there was a, a church here in Jacksonville, Church of God here in Jacksonville, that their state overseer came and preached. And it was controversial back when I was a kid, even if men could wear wedding rings or not. Yeah. 
and uh, he preached the whole message wearing a wedding ring. Now, I heard this secondhand. I wasn't at the service. Our church was far more liberal than that. We allowed wedding rings. <laughs> but he preached the whole service wearing a wedding ring, and the pastor got up while the, the superintendent is still there and apologized that he allowed someone to preach in his church wearing outward ornamentation <laughs> and his ring. Um, I don't think he's still a Church of God preacher. You don't, that goes back to never challenge a man that can answer the question, you and what army? <laughs> <laughs> but but the but the point is it when we had these arbitrary but but that's not what God God says I want to write my laws on your heart. I will help you define what modesty. I still believe in modesty. But I've grown to the point to understand that modesty sometimes it's more modest for a woman to wear a pair of slacks mowing the yard than it is to be out there in a dress. I, I heard our, our uh, sister Athena's, our superintendent's wife, when she passed away at her funeral, she was, um, Brother Rayburn, our superintendent, you've all met him, he's preached here, um, comes from a line of preachers. And his family have always been involved in leadership. And he was raised in that culture. He was the, at the time that he uh, met her, he was, I think that he was already the DYD, the district youth director. And, uh, and so we met Sister Athena. Well, Athena was raised in the projects. Now, she loved Jesus. She got saved and she loved Jesus. Um, but the, the story went when he brought her home the first night to meet his dad, and she come, showed up with her high heels and her miniskirt. He about had a heart attack. <laughs> but Terry was grinning ear to ear uh, and, and later on they lived in a parsonage because at that time our district provided a parsonage to the district youth director and they, he, they lived in a parsonage there in Lakeland and um, one of the pastors drove by, and she was out there in her high heels and miniskirt mowing the front yard. He about wrecked his car. Now, I'm not running down. I have more respect for Athena Rayburn than probably anybody could imagine. So if you take that as I'm being critical of her, you've misunderstood my point. Um, she certainly grew into a different... But, but the Lord wrote on her heart how to be modest. I mean, she laid her life down to protect children in Lebanon when they were under war and w refused to leave when they were telling all the Americans they had to leave, but these kids couldn't leave with them. And she chose to stay and huddled in the corner of the airport to protect them while bombs were blowing up. I love Sister Ray uh, Rayburn. So uh, my point is, when we purify ourselves, it's a process that the Holy Spirit has to show you this is okay for you and this is not okay for you. And so Jacob called us down and says, we're going to purify ourselves. We're going to seek God. We're going to learn how to live godly lives. 
And it's not just about outward apparel. It's about our actions. It's about the things that we do. It's about the things that we say. I was driving home from Orlando yesterday, and a guy just almost run me off the road coming down I-4. I'm running right parallel with him down I-4. And that can happen, I suppose. He just kind of comes right over. I hit my brakes, and he gets in front of me. Of course, I also hit my horn. And then I pull up beside him. I'm still blowing my horn. Now, we're not in danger of a wreck anymore. He refused. He, he's sitting there eating something in the candy bar. He don't even look. I don't even know to this day whether he knows. But, but my thought was, there was a time. I'd have run him off the road just to show. I'd have went whipping in front of him. But I had to shake it off. <laughs> quit being silly quit being stupid we're both better off today amen uh, but can I tell you uh, we have to grow and the Lord has to purify our hearts and so it's not just outward adornment it's our attitude it's our actions it's the things we say it's the way we respond it's the business decisions we make it's what we write on our tax forms We want to live a pure life before God. You know, I, 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 um, let me tell you, eternity's too long for me to waste it over some menial, silly thing without deciding to be dishonest for here on this earth. So, so you're going to purify your heart, and then you're going to change your garments. Now, I, we're not talking about just our, again, our garments. Uh, when, when I read that, I, I thought of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came back home, out of the pigsty, his dad, what did he do? He changed his garments. He took off those filthy rags, and he put on a fresh robe. He put a signet ring on his hand. He put shoes on his feet. He changed his appearance. Can I tell you, spiritually, the Bible says that Jesus Christ wants to put on a robe of righteousness. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. This is how most Christians change garments. We don't shed the old stuff. We just want to put the new stuff on top of the old stuff. We, we, okay, yeah, I want a robe of righteousness, but I don't want to take off this, this old... And, and, and can I tell you, have you ever seen somebody just try to... Uh, homeless folks, and I don't mean that critical, but homeless folks, they'll layer lots of outfits, and it doesn't look very neat and put together, does it? I mean, that, that's because they're carrying all that they own with them. And that's the way a lot of Christians are today. We, we, okay, yeah, on Sunday morning, we're going to put on our robe of righteousness. <laughs> but we're not going to shed the things of this world. Can I tell you, God wants us to take off, to change our garments. To change means to remove something else and put something else on. 
We have to, to put on the whole armor of God. You know, we've done a series on Wednesday night uh, last year uh, on the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. And uh, it, it's, it's a great teaching and it's a great truth, but the reality is to put on the armor of God, you've got to take off the armor that you're wearing. When, when uh, they, and how many of God has garments just made for you? Tailored fit just for you. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Let, let me, Brother Donna, can you come help me for a second? Come here. Um, you, you can leave that on. Yep. C- come on down here. So he's got on his, he's got on his nice looking outfit, his nice looking clothes. Now, it, it's kind of like, um, he can't wear my garment. See, Saul said to David, here, put, put my, my armor on. I think you can fit in it. You ought to because it's kind of tight on me. Look at there. I think it looks good on him. Um, <laughs> uh, now, that same coat won't button around this belly. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but here's the point. God doesn't intend for him to wear my garments. God's got garments that are made for him. When David said to Saul, you've got good armor. You've got the best armor there is. Custom made for the king. But it don't work for me. Quit trying to put somebody else's garments on. Quit trying to say, Lord, I, w- I want Brother Terry's anointing. By the way, thank you. I hear he preached, done a fantastic job Wednesday night. Uh, I want Brother Terry's anointing to teach. And maybe God hasn't called you to teach, but he's got a, maybe he's put a garment of hospitality on you. Maybe he put a garment of praise on you. Maybe he's put a garment of, uh, you know, worship or a, a garment of whatever. And, and, and so Brother Terry might be saying, I wish I could sing like you sing. And both of y'all are sitting there wishing you could be like somebody else <laughs> instead of embracing. So what, what Jacob said, thank you, I'll take my coat. I'm going to shrink back into it. Um, instead of wishing we could have somebody else, why don't we, so Jacob says, we're going we're gonna to change our garment. We're going to put on what God would have us to wear. And we're going to be God's people. So church, I'm I'm calling us back to Bethel. Fear drove Jacob to Bethel both times. Fear is not a bad motivator. (laughs) I, I won't ask the question if you don't want to answer it. But how many of you in here got saved because you was afraid of going to hell? <laughs> I mean, come on. Back back in the eighties when, when I was a kid and they were showing all those uh all those going to hell movies in church. 
And I think, oh, my God. <laughs> now, I've grown. I might have got saved running from hell, but I'm serving him because I've learned to love his grace. And, the, and, and it's all right. Fear is a great motivator. How many have ever been driven to the altar because of fear? Afraid someone you love is about to die. You remember where the altar was. Afraid you're about to lose everything. You don't know what to do. You remember where the altar is. I'll tell you what scares me more than any of that. I fear the church to lose the anointing of God. And it drives me to the altar. I fear growing cold and comfortable. So when Jesus, Jesus spoke to John, who by the way was quarantined, He said, write this to Ephesus. You're good folks. You hate sin. You work hard. You don't tolerate false prophets and false apostles. You're good folks. But I've somewhat against you. You don't love me like you used to. Jacob, you're a good man. You've got a good family. You've done good in business. But remember when you didn't have anything but the staff in your hand? And you showed up at Peniel because you were afraid your brother was going to kill you? And I cut covenant with you in Peniel. And you said, God, I'm going to serve you. If you'll protect me and you'll keep me and you'll bring me back to this place, I'm going to serve you. God says, I've kept my covenant. It's time to come home. It's time to come back to an altar. So he said to Abraham, or he said to Jacob, go back to Peniel, build an altar, and dwell there. And I think that that's what God is calling the church today. Let's go back to an altar. So in, in conclusion this morning, I'm going to ask us to close out around the altars. There aren't many of us. And if you need to social distance, step back a little ways, I'm all right with that. I'm going to ask us this morning, can we just as a church, just very symbolically, Come stand at the altars and say, God, I'm coming back to Peniel. I'm going to evaluate myself and put away foreign gods. I'm going to change my garments. I'm going to put on the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to purify my heart.
When I was a kid and gave my heart to Jesus, I was so on fire for God. When I became a teenager and God began to call me into ministry, now I had some times where I strayed, but God began to call me into ministry. I carried my Bible with me everywhere. There was a time I read, the Lord laid on my heart, read the Gospels every day, and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of reading every day, over and over and over and over again. Getting the words of Christ out in my spirit. <laughs> to say we didn't have anything would be an overstatement. Because we'd have to have gotten something to be up to zero. How many know what I'm talking about? We were in the hole. We had our lights turned off multiple times because we couldn't pay our electric bill. Wife took city bus to work because we couldn't afford a car. Or we could afford, we had one car. And I, she let me drive because I had a job that required driving around. And she would drive a city bus back and forth to work. Um, we were broke. I mean, that's what I mean when I say we were broke. <laughs> I remember when God, and I've shared this testimony here before. And I remember when God first laid on our heart because we struggled with tithing. And when you're broke, the struggle with tithing is a real thing. And God laid on my heart, you've got to tithe. If you want me to bless you, you've got to tithe. Still real to me, and that's why I get emotional, because we, we took our money out for our tithe, and we laid it on our coffee table, and we said, God, we can't even pay our light bill. This would pay our light bill. But they're going to turn our lights off tomorrow, but it's Sunday, and we're going to tithe. And we cried over the coffee table. Turn the tithe into the church. We didn't say anything to anybody. The next day, in the mail was a check for several hundred dollars. We were able to pay our light bill and we moved on, and God taught me a lesson. But my point that I want us to hear is our innocent heart. I didn't negotiate with God and say, okay, God, I'll just catch up on my tithe next paycheck <laughs> you know our, our hearts were pure before God and sometimes I this morning Grady came in Grady and he said I have a prayer request I said what okay Grady what's going on I, I told y'all Deron had been sick or something maybe he wanted me to pray for his sister he said we just saw a terrible wreck me and my dad and the guy with a motorcycle and he was laying on top of a car. And I said, well, let's pray for that wreck, Grady. So we prayed for that wreck. Little six-year-old. How many people driving to church just saw that, shook their head and went on? What I'm telling you is Let's not leave our first love. Looking back, this does seem silly now. 
but can we be so pure? God, as we return to Bethel, God, we, Lord, we need to hear from you. Bethel is the place that you showed Jacob there is a gateway to the blessing of God. There are angels that, that come up and down a ladder. They bring blessing. <laughs> they bring protection. Bethel is that place of innocence where we still pray and we still ask God to forgive us and it's all right. And then we ask God to help us and it's all right. And we give the things to God that God requires of us. And it's okay. God, I'm just praying this morning, Lord, in the midst of all the chaos, all the callousness, all the anger, all the bitterness that surrounds us on every front. God, let us be a pure church. God, let us still come to the altar. Let us still seek your face. Let us still hear your words. God, that you can be glorified. Would you just lift your voice in prayer this morning? Father, right now. Father God, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And in the midst of the hard times, God, we're going to put you first. God, we're going to put on that garment of praise <laughs> for that spirit of heaviness. Like the song said, we're going to sing a little louder. We're going to sing a little louder. We're going to drown out this world. Oh, God, give us a heart to pray. Give us a heart. Lord God, let there be a, let there be a season of miracles in your church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We, give, give us a, a good worship song that we can all sing together, Brother Dominic. I'm coming back to the heart of worship Cause it's all about you And it's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you Oh, yes It's all about you, Jesus I'm coming back to the heart of worship Cause it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus And I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Hallelujah Hallelujah. It's all about you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just pray that the Holy Spirit will challenge our hearts and um, 
not a deep theological thought this morning but I think innocence is what God is calling us to be innocent before him to be pure before him Father God would you help us Lord guard our thoughts guard our actions I pray God that you would bless your people Father God that you would protect us I pray God that you would overshadow us God I pray a hedge around all of your people this morning God there are some that are not here today and many that are not here today God, our kids go back to schools tomorrow. Schools aren't like they were. They're different. They're more frightening. God, I pray that you would protect our kids, Lord. God, that you would protect them not just from the physical harm that can happen in these war zones. Not just from the sickness that can happen because of this pandemic God even from the perversion Lord that the enemy would try to teach is reality in many cases Father Lord I pray God that your wisdom would overshadow Lord God that something that's said or done would stir in the hearts of our children God I pray that you would protect them and bless them Father God, that we would grow and, Father, that a generation, Lord, I know, God, that if Jesus tarries, God, you're raising up a generation. And, Lord, let that continue to be, that you can be glorified in. God, we'll give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed.